This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. I am coming back uh, with the pseudonym name of Kelly McDonald, and uh, Danielle McLaughlin has changed her pseudonym name to Ramia Amadin. I'm Ramia Amadin. Part of the program. <laughs> Just kidding, just I, kidding. I'm Brock Richardson yeah. and uh, Daniel McLaughlin is along Amethyst. with me. <laughs> I think the TV side of things uh, gives us away a little bit because uh, even as much as we try, we, we do not look like Kelly and Romeo. Uh, but if really fascinating conversation uh, from Ryan Huey and uh, always great stuff uh, coming up on his segment. So tune in next Friday for more of the uh chatty bookshelf and as we do this time of the day on fridays we get into a cut for time where we might have had more to say on something or in danielle in my case we didn't have any time to say anything because we weren't here for most of the week and now's our chance so danielle i will hand it over to you to kick us off thank you very much brock on Monday's show, Grant led a discussion on discriminatory zoning laws in the Vancouver area. Here he is telling us more about that. Apartments were considered undesirable. So apartments were, quote, smaller and less expensive options and often housed racial minorities, the uh, LGBTQ community, single mothers, low-income families, or other marginalized populations that faced outright discrimination and racism when seeking a place to live. These groups were actually often banned from owning property and had few legal protections as tenants who faced quite a lot of discrimination, even just trying to find a place to rent. And it turns out that uh, According to this opinion piece anyway, uh, and a book that they reference in the article, the desire to limit apartments was a guise to exclude people who were deemed undesirable uh, or unsuitable to the ideal white, heterosexual, and middle-to-upper-class family. Yeah, very interesting. Um, you know, using zoning bylaws uh, in order to promulgate discrimination was uh, practiced for so long. Um, one of the things that I, I learned about was there are deeds to homes, to houses, that uh, of course contain illegal um, discriminatory clauses, but they're still there. So for example, it is possible that you could find that you're buying a house that prevents you from selling that house to somebody from an ethnic minority or to somebody who does not, quote, fit into the neighborhood. Now, this is one of the reasons we have human rights commissions and acts across Canada and in every province. Um, what those zoning bylaws did now are that's strictly illegal you cannot refuse to rent to somebody because of their ethnicity or their disability or their marital status um or their race those are not uh not not lawful but if you look back at some of this stuff you'll see it, it's very common um and isn't it a relief that it's now against the law there were people who said oh we don't we don't really want uh, to change laws because, you know, we like it the way it is. We want people who fit in 
with our neighborhood, people who are, as, as Grant explained, you know, white, middle-class, uh, heterosexual folks. Fortunately, uh, doing this overtly is now strictly against the law. Are people still finding ways to get around it? Are they still saying, no, you can't uh, build a fourplex in a community that really just has single-family homes? They're still trying to do that. Um, and, you know, because there's such a shortage of housing now, people are saying, well, you know, it's time we, we started to realize that, that those days are, are behind us. Grant, uh, what do you think about your story? Well, you know, for, for me, and man, you would have been a great person to, to have on for that segment, because I, I know you have a lot of knowledge about, you know, this type of thing. For, for me, to be honest, uh, you know, sometimes you grow up, I grew up in the 1990s, and uh, sometimes things are just the way it is, and you yeah. don't really question why things are the way they are. But if you actually study things like zoning, which I really had no idea until I started doing research for this article, or, you know, bail, or, you know, certain certain types of crime, why we punish certain types of crime more, more uh, harshly than others, like, a lot of it does come back to these roots of like, no, this wasn't just quote unquote, the way it was, it had to do with, you know, deeply entrenched uh, discrimination and uh, racism. And maybe it has slightly different effects today. Like today, it's just sort of, man, I wish I could get access to some more high rises, whatever, some cheaper apartments. Uh, but those roots are very, uh, very problematic. Um, definitely really good to have that knowledge. That's, that's all I can say, because it, it, it's, it's disgusting, but <laughs> given the stuff that's happened in the world and happened in our country in the last several years, it may be not that surprising, Brock. Yeah, no, it's not. And uh, first of all, before I get into my thoughts, welcome, Grant. I forgot to uh, say in the segment no, that no, you were going to be no joining worries. us. So, uh, Hello, Kelly. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. It's, uh, it's good to have you, and those are good thoughts. I, I've always wondered why... We, we would have had these things that say you can't do this. You can't sell a house to, to, to this ethnicity, this, uh, you know, merit person because they've chosen this marital step, whatever. I, I, you know what? If you're moving from a place and someone needs to live there, it shouldn't be opposed on you or pressed upon you to decide who should live there. I mean, certainly if they're, you know, uh, a, a deep criminal and you know that your your neighbors have you know a bunch of kids or whatever maybe that's something you look into but if it's just simply oh i don't like you because of the color of your skin no we're we're way beyond that in in 2023 so i'm glad to see that this is no longer a thing i was sticking mm -hmm. to monday danielle spoke about the idea of how to deal with conflict and disagreement here she is explaining a little bit more well i think the first thing that we need to say is there should be no ad hominem attacks and that means you don't get to call people names right you yeah. don't get yep. to tell them they're bad or right. um you know or awful or that you you know that you hate them you don't it, you're not attacking a person, which is what ad hominem means, you're attacking an idea. 
You're attacking a policy. You're attacking something that you believe is wrong in the world. Um, you're attacking a government, for example, point of view. If you say that, and I'm going to use the Israel-Palestine conflict because it is on everybody's mind right now. If you say, I do not like the way this government has behaved, you are not saying that you hate the people who live in that country. Mm. You are not saying that they are bad people. You are saying that the choices that have been made by a government, in your opinion, are wrong, are um, dangerous, and should not have been made, should be changed. I really believe that people go into an argument well-intended. They go into an argument where they want to get their point out. I think what happens invariably in the argument is when somebody disagrees with somebody, they immediately get their back up and they say, well, how dare you not have my same opinion? How dare you not believe what I believe? But it's it's we don't know how to appropriately argue anymore or have a dispute. And one of the things that was said in, in, in parts of the, the, the segment there was people are allowed to have a difference of opinion. And maybe, you know, someone's differing of opinion opens your eyes into thinking, well, what about this? Like I go back to John, John Beeler's segment. I, when I saw John Beeler's segment about, you know, X charging a dollar. I was irate listening, <laughs> reading the, uh, the the thing. And then I thought when he brought up, yeah, but it's for the bots. I was thinking, oh, well, now this makes sense. And I think sometimes with arguments, it's one of those things where it's like, maybe when you hear someone's side of the argument, you might, it might open your eyes. But I think all too often, as soon as somebody disagrees with us, we take offense and we say, I'm no longer having this conversation. And then you ruin friendships, you ruin colleagues, you ruin all those things. So for me, I look at this and I say, people just need to learn to have a more civil argument than we do because it gets too dangerous in the world of like losing friendships, losing people. That's not the point of a, of a disagreement. I don't think it's, it's a point to say, I believe in this. This is why. And I'm not coming to change your opinion. I'm just coming to maybe give you a different a different tone. But we we get shut off into that tone because the person simply doesn't agree with what we said. And Danielle, I know you brought this segment, but that's just my feeling. It's like maybe open our eyes a little bit more into broaden your, your mindset as to let's listen to what this person has to say and not jump to, well, you're wrong because this is my opinion, and that's the end of it. Well, I think you're right, especially about the listening part, Brock. You know, first, you have to listen. And if you're actually listening, instead of just waiting for your turn to give your opinion, you will learn something. You might not like what you learn, but, you know, that's why it's sometimes helpful to, to listen carefully and then decide whether you want to say anything or not. Sometimes you may not. But if you do want to say something, you can start your portion of the discussion or argument with, yes, and um, then it's your turn to, to explain why you feel the same, why you feel differently, why you believe that the person may be in error. Um, 
but it, it takes patience to do it. And you can't just say, you know, I'm going to run to the social media platform of my choice and I'm going to post what I think because what I think is more important than what anybody else thinks. It's not. Um, you need to listen first. And you can't jump to the conclusion that somebody has said something that uh, you disagree with until you actually know what it is they've had to mm -hmm. say. So, you know, I, I, I cannot recommend listening highly enough as a, as a way to start a respectful argument. Grant, what do you think about that? You know, I really wish that schools would teach us how to argue yes. properly and how to deal with conflict. One of the most fascinating classes I ever took was the philosophy of logic in university. And you're, you're so right that there are so many of these like fallacies that make your argument seem like it's a good argument, but it actually isn't. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the, when we think of an ad hominem, uh, you know, the most obvious is just, oh, you're a horrible person, whatever. But you can really, uh, you know, slip in a much more subtle ad hominem like you know well if you believe if you believe this way you know you you must you know i'm sorry that you know your morals aren't quite you know <laughs> as high as mine or so something like that it's easy to kind of slip that in there's also this you know appeal to uh to oh i can't remember what it's called appeal to you know your uh, superiority as in you know well I have a degree in mm -hmm. child psychology so I know how to parent better than you or there's this sea lioning I think that's what it's called where people you'll be talking about a very specific issue and someone will jump in and say well prove to me that you know discrimination actually exists yeah and yeah. it's kind of a de derailing tactic because mm -hmm. they're, they're disrupting the whole argument rather than being helpful. So, yeah, I, f I find that absolutely fascinating. And I, I wish that folks would teach us how to argue properly because it's yeah. really... Because it moves things oh. ahead when you know how to do it, right? Rather than just no. going around in circles and sort of more and more, absolutely. you know... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, closer circles. Uh, a little bit of a lighter note, and I don't really know how much time we have for this, but yesterday on Curious Minds, Christina Malik talked about, oh, our favorite word, ChatGPT, and their partnership with Be My Eyes. Super beneficial, actually, and here's a little demo from her on how that works. The picture you've shared is an aerial view taken from what seems to be an airplane. The top two-thirds of the image is dominated by a clear blue sky. As you move towards the bottom third of the image... You can see the curvature of the earth and the horizon where the sky meets the land. The land below is a patchwork of green and brown fields. The fields are varying in size and shape, and it looks like a mix of agricultural land. The image gives a sense of vastness and open space. The curvature of the earth refers to the slightly curved line where the sky meets the land or sea, and it's visible especially from a high altitude. In the picture, this is seen as a gentle curve at the point where the blue sky starts to meet the land. It gives the impression that the Earth is round, as opposed to a flat surface. This curvature is more pronounced when you are at a higher altitude, like in an airplane, as it is in the picture you shared. Yeah, so this was taken by her out uh, from an airplane window, obviously. As someone who's blind, there's so many times I'll be on Reddit, I'll be on a forum, someone will post like, oh, isn't this incredible? And then they'll just show an, an image. Mm -hmm. The ability to run that through the AI and have it give me a really good description of what it is, is fantastic. The only thing I'm a little bit worried about is if I inadvertently submitted anything that the AI deemed not 
appropriate, like not intentionally, but just because I found it on a forum, whatever, didn't know what it was, but it's maybe a little more than the AI is willing to describe. I don't know what it would do. It might ban my account and that's difficult for a blind person to sort of know one way or the other. Um, but ultimately, I think it's a really good step forward. Dan Danielle, do you want to comment on this? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious that there are things that AI won't describe. Oh, um, there absolutely are. And, yeah. you know, what kind of things are we, are we talking about? Pornography, I guess? Yeah, or just, you know, it has a very high, quote unquote, moral bar. So anything that it deems as, you know, not appropriate, you know, a little bit like adult rated, just offensive in general, it it won't, which is tricky because, you know, I saw hey. reading about those, the protests about, you know, trans rights in school and people would say like, oh, this is horrible. And then post a link to a picture. And I'd be like, I really want to see what this is. But if it's an inappropriate sign, is it going to like, Inappropriate for who, Grant? I mean, I find I'm I'm absolutely shocked that they that you you would be uh, forbidden from knowing what it is that's in front of you. I don't think that it should have opinions. I think AI should not be making those decisions. <laughs> it should tell you exactly what it is, and then you get to decide what whether you want to hang on to it or not. That's that's a terrible piece of information that I did not previously have. Thank you for that. I just thought the the stuff was when they tell you it's beautiful, and I thought. Well, who gets to say if something's beautiful or not? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I really don't want a uh, a robot with an opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, everyone gets to view whatever they want. And yes. I'm not picking anything, you know, inappropriate at all. I, I, I just think that whatever you deem that you want to view, you should view it like Absolutely. the rest of the world. And I'd like... We could spend an entire segment on this. Got to go. Thank you, Grant. <laughs> uh, love Thanks. the chat. And uh, they'll talk to you next week. Cheers. That's Grant Hardy, who joins us for Cut for Time and some other segments throughout the week as well. He'll be back next week. Danielle and I will be back to wrap up the program and tell you about what's coming up on the weekend on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Plus, we'll give you a preview of Monday's program when Kelly and Ramia do make their triumphant return. Stay with us. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hi, I'm Ramya Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. <laughs> 